1: Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man Staten. This podcast is dedicated to blue-collar, hard-working public land elk hunters. We preach hard work, delayed gratification, discipline, and staying accountable to yourself. We value faith, family, fitness, fiscal discipline, and of course, public land elk hunting. So come along as we try to educate, motivate, and inspire you to become the best possible version of yourself. Our podcast is brought to you by Wilderness Athlete. Performance you deserve. Fuel your body with the best. Use our discount code ELKSHAPE30 and save 30% off your first purchase. We are also brought to you by NUMA Outdoors. Geared for the outdoors, made with bow hunters in mind, built to over-deliver, and most importantly, designed to outperform. Check out NUMAoutdoors.com and be sure to use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your purchase. Matthew's Archery. Elevating the archery experience. Take a test drive with the Matthews V331 or 27 at a local dealer near you. Vortex Optics. I've been partnered with Vortex since 2010. This company is awesome. They're American owned, veteran owned. They're based in Wisconsin. Their entire team of designers and engineers produce and distribute a complete line of premium sport optics, accessories, and apparel. Most of the apparel that I wear while training, scouting, and hanging out around the house. Is Vortex Wear. Go ahead and check it out. And if you want to save 20%, enter the discount code Elk Shape at checkout and you'll save 20%. New from Vortex in 2021 is their tripods. The one I've been using in the backcountry is their Summit Carbon 2 and their Radiant Carbon. And it also has a ball leveling head and it's perfect for rock solid shooting. There's the tripod to fit everyone's needs from Vortex now, and it's still covered with their lifetime, no-fault, transferable VIP warranty. Check it out at vortexoptics.com. Welcome to the Elk Shade Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. Today's going to be a fun one. We're uh, bringing on Ben from Wad Prep. He's coming back on. He's the CEO, founder of Wadprep.com. Really cool CrossFit, functional fitness. It's a good little space for people to show up and learn how to do complicated movements and to really work through the fundamentals of fitness. But that's not why we're bringing him on today. Don't hang up yet. Ben is a guy who never elk hunted in his life. And the stars aligned. He wanted to put his fitness to use, especially after his competitive CrossFit days. He already loved hiking and mountain biking and all sorts of outdoor activities. He lives in Colorado. And somehow, we got connected. He ended up meeting my brother-in-law, Elroy, and they became buds. And then he met my other buddy, Braden, who works at No Limits Archery in Denver, Colorado, Phil Mendoza's shop. And long story short is, he sipped the Kool-Aid of bow hunting elk, and he went for it this year. And I wanna bring him on today as a rookie elk hunter because I gave him some advice on a previous podcast. I'll post it in the show notes. And he he says it even on this podcast, like a lot of stuff I told him just didn't click because he didn't have any experience. He didn't know what I was even talking about. So this is going to be a fun episode. We're going to bring him on for an additional episode, but we're going to break down what he's learned as a rookie elk hunter hunting Colorado public land with his hunting partner. It's going to be an awesome podcast. If you haven't got a chance, check out wadprep.com. Give Ben a follow on Instagram. He's a great guy, super stud athlete, uh, and he is just starting his elk hunting career. Let's go. Oh well, I tell you what, man. Like having a man cave is pretty dope. My man cave's like evolved over the years as we've moved houses. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger with like just storage of hunting gear. Like you need a dedicated storage unit or something, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah. How much Mine's gear did it- you
1: buy this year? <laughs>
2: all of it. Um, (laughs) my assistant actually messaged me, uh, what was it on? I guess it was like yesterday or the day before it was like, Hey, do you want me to look into some storage options for all the hunting gear? And I'm like, not yet. Like I'm, I'm thinking I'm just going to convert one of the rooms in the house to a, to a hunting room. (laughs)
1: Yes. That's cool. Uh, did you, where did you buy your gear? Like what were the best in-person or online like resources for it's
2: just good to know for people to see what you did. Yeah. So I got really lucky. The fact that I live in Denver, I have like two world-class bow shops within 15 minutes of my house. So that's a kind of a unique opportunity there. Um, so there were three places that I went. Number one was No Limits Archery, Yep, um, which is how I met your cousin, Dan, and that's how we met because he was like, Oh, you should talk to him. Um, So that's cool. So that was a great place. Um, and, you know, a couple of fellow CrossFitters uh, work there like Braden and he's definitely helped me, you know, taught me some stuff. So no limits is where I got my bow. And it's where I also like learned uh, shot mechanics, you know, Braden helped me just he taught me just some simple shot mechanics. And I started. Dialing my bow in to, to 20 yards and then 30 and then 40. And you know, so I basically got all that figured out there, specifically the bow, and they cut my arrows and stuff like that. And then I got a long shopping list of things I needed from my hunting partner, Gary. And then there's another guy that um I've been following on Instagram who also follows like Wad Prep. And I just like looked up Elk's st- like. I forget what I looked up on Instagram. I was just like elk typed it in there, um, and it's Wapiti Fit. Um, he runs like an Instagram page called Wapiti Fit, and uh, and he sent me his like shopping list for how like what he takes into the backcountry. So basically, what I did was I combined Gary's comprehensive list with his comprehensive list, and I was like, this should be plenty of stuff. So I kind of smashed them together and like mixed and matched, and just ordered everything off of Amazon, like all like the, um, all of the, I don't know, like things where I didn't have to go to a specialty store to buy it. So like, um, like a dry bag and, um, there was actually Sika has a shop on Amazon and there, the prices are MSRP. So, you know, sometimes like really nice clothing gets like jacked way up on, on Amazon. But, uh, no, I was able to get a couple things, uh, from Sika and then like all the random stuff, like, like, a leatherman and um uh what's that what's the like the life saving belt called what the heck last chance belt um just like all these like random like little odds and ends that i didn't have so put that all together um and after the first trip to the mountains basically like sat down with gary before we were about to hike up to our camp and like went through all the stuff and had like a pile of stuff that i eventually ended up returning that like i didn't need for where we were hunting um, so that was good. And then I had an I had an absolute ball at Sportsman's warehouse buying every <laughs> piece of Sika clothing they've ever produced. <laughs> it was terrible, terrible for my credit card. But um, you know, I, I sent it and I I just my whole mindset, and I think we talked about this in the first podcast was like my whole mindset is like I would rather go all in with something than than half acid um and i that also applies to like my equipment and my gear i used to be and there's nothing wrong with this um and obviously there's a time and place for it but i used to be like an extremely extremely frugal shopper because that was passed down to me from my dad who was one of nine kids and you know so it's like oh let's go to walmart or let's go like how can i find this at a used clothing store or how can i like it and i realized like when it comes to uh, for my fishing career, I realized that like, that is not good when you're in the wilderness, <laughs> like when you are exposed to the elements, cheap gear is cheap gear. Um, so I made the commitment. I was just like, Hey, what are the, like, what clothes should I get? And I had several people in my camp just be like, Hey, Sika or Q Q Q Q How do you pronounce it? Q Q Q you. Yep. Jeez. So I'm under caffeinated this morning, so I'll have to work on that. Um, <laughs>
1: No, that's really exciting to hear like all or none and, and being, you know, yeah, but you've worked your ass off to get to where you're at. So cry once buy once. Yes. But you're also smart enough to know that you got addicted to elk hunting. Like this stuff's not going to end up at a garage sale. Like this is a new, this is a new way of life, which we'll get into.
2: I already, yeah, I already told my, I told my, uh, know my family is like super interested in because none of them are hunters but they're all avid fishermen um i told my brother i was like i was like drew i for the rest of my life to the day i die i will be unavailable in september (laughs) like i'm just like i even like so and we'll get into it later um i want to give a shout out also to rocky mountain specialty gear that's the other bow shop that i went to oh yeah they're world class too Another really good shop, and actually, I'm probably going to head in there. I have a couple, couple things I need to fix that I, you know, just it got banged up this year, just you know, falling off cliffs and stuff like that. Um, so, Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. Um, I've only been there a couple times to get like some tiny odds and ends, but I can tell like they're really helpful there. And bit of a smaller shop, uh, I admit. Like, no knock on No Limits, but like I go in there and it's like, man, I got to wait 30 minutes just to talk to someone, just because there's always so many people in there probably because it was right before the, you know, the big elk hunting season out here. Um, but yeah, that was it. So it was like uh, no limits, Rocky Mountain special gear, and then Sportsman's Warehouse. Um, and it's so funny too, like uh, another case in point of investing in quality gear is the first week. Um, so Gary and I went up to our camp and did some scouting, which I realized wasn't enough at all. Like I'm also going to block out half of August because I realized similar to fishing, like, pre-fishing like being able to get out on the water and find the find the fish early is so incredibly important um or else you're just kind of wasting time during the during the season during the tournament you know i'm using all these analogies well we got out and we got out for like a day and a half to scout and like saw some elk but it was i realized it it wasn't nearly as comprehensive of a of a pre-scout as it should have been and that's like next year i'm like I'll be following those elk starting in like May, and I'm just gonna like I I will be like very much dedicated to to understanding their patterns and their movements, um, and spending time in the woods. But I went up, and we had a really heavy pack up on the scouting weekend because that's where we like set up camp and like brought up a lot of heavy stuff so that in theory our next pack in would be lighter. Which of course it wasn't because that's (laughs) that's the nature of large backpacks, right? But i remember i we had like we probably did like 13 or 14 miles um in that like day and a half you know like rocking up really heavy and then walking all over the damn place and i had like i bought some boots they're damn they're like decent boots i thought you know they're expensive for me it's like 160 bucks for boots wow they were danners and like probably like 10 minutes into the first hike i was like uh-uh nope these are going right back to the store so i, walked, I got back i got back into sportsman's warehouse and i was like I'm returning these and I'm buying these. And I've obviously got like the crispy guide, you know, like the, whatever the, I was like, what are the most comfortable, best boots I can possibly buy? And she's like these ones. So I'm like, perfect. I'll have one. And like that saved me. That absolutely saved me. Cause we covered 120 miles in 10 days, actually over 120 miles in 10 days on my first trip out. And then another huge mileage count on my second trip out. So I'm so thankful I invested in quality boots. That was that was huge for me.
1: Did you think that the Danners like so I work with Crispy, so I'm biased. I, I I love them. I really I really believe they have no break-in period whatsoever. Whereas most other boot manufacturers do. Did you try to break in those danners or was that your first go with them?
2: Yeah, so that was a uh, you know, hindsight's 2020 major mistake is because of all the travel, and we'll get into this a little bit more, like I, I overbooked myself prior to the season, which actually like hindered some of my abilities during the season because I was like, all right, I'm going to be gone all of September. Like I got to get a bunch of work done. I got some travel I have to do, which unfortunately sucked because I didn't get those boots until like the weekend before the season's about to start. So I didn't have any chance to break them in really. Like okay. my break in was like that initial scouting period. But I just like based on the way my foot was shifting in the boot, like I was probably a little oversized for me, which I is I'd rather have a smaller boot than an oversized boot, at least for me. That's the same with snowboarding for me, because um, I don't want that foot to move in there. Mm-hmm. I want it to be stationary because any movement, that's where you get those hot spots after you know ten miles. Um, so I didn't give them the, the enough break-in period, but I knew that I didn't have any time to have a break-in period. So that's when I went back and I. I didn't even know that crispies were like, you know, known to not have a break in period. I was just like, hey, yeah. if I'm. They say that, but like, I'm. My initial reaction was like,
1: bullshit. But uh, I was surprised that actually can confirm in my experience, I've never had to break in any crispy, throw them on and go, which is crazy, right? So did you get the Nevadas or did you get the guides, just the regular
2: guides? Yeah, I got the, um, the guide GTX. Yep. Non-insulated, I would assume. Non-insulated.
1: So that's a higher boot,
2: right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, so from basketball or I don't know, just my anatomy, uh, I have something weird where like I roll my ankles all the time. Same, same. Because basketball, like I broke my ankle playing basketball. I used to play basketball at a pretty high level and like I would have to wear two ankle braces because I just like the way that my foot lands, I always tend to land on my side and I roll it. Um, It wasn't as bad in football, but basketball was bad. And when I'm hiking though, it's terrible. Like if I okay. misstep on a rock, it's just, <laughs> and so I actually, it was funny. I had a running tally with my buddy, Gary, where we'd just be hiking and I'd just be like 14 or 15. And cause every time I would have like broken my ankle or rolled my ankle, like hiking the crazy stuff that we were hiking. Every time, like with a lower boot, I would have really yep. like hurt my ankle. I would just like, yep, there's one. And I think I, I made it up to like 14 or 15 that, in those first 10 days. And I, I basically went to the store. I was like, what is the highest boot? Other than like a full like waiter, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, I realized that that I think it was an eight incher. I could really cinch it down and, and it would go high on the ankle and it saved me. I mean, it yeah. paid for itself like 10 times over because yeah. I, I would have not been able to finish the season with how many times I rolled my ankle.
1: Oh, dude. Yeah. So the Crispy Guides are my all-time favorite boot. I don't wear them a lot in September just because they are pretty hot. Um, how did, did you bring extra pairs of socks in your day pack? Uh, did your feet not get too sweaty?
2: How'd you do, I mean, foot care is so important. That's why we're talking about it. So tons, they definitely did get sweaty and I have sweaty feet naturally. So, you know, I realizing that they are like full grain leather, obviously they're not as breathable as other boots. Um, but it was kind of like, I just got to buy one here. I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Um, so I didn't. I had multiple socks, not necessarily my day pack, but what we would do is I have, um, uh, I think Gary was the one that told me to put on the list. Is just like, it's like called a speed stick by Rock Tape. It's basically like an anti-chafe, like deodorant stick almost. And I'm sure any anti-chafing thing would work, but like this, I w- we would just carry this stick. And when we like broke for lunch, take off our boots, try to dry them out, get our feet in the sun. It's Colorado, so everything dries out so fast. I take my socks off and just freaking lather that, um, that stuff all over my feet, I guess, because he's a, he's a very, very strong runner. He's like, these are what all the ultra marathoners put on their feet. Uh So like pulling from ultra marathoning, he was like, he was like, this is going to help us with, with long, like long range, heavy hiking and sure shit, man. Like no, no. I mean, I had hot spots like, you know, the white, like raw spots were like, you're going to get those if. Especially if you're not putting in miles and miles and miles, but no blisters, which was huge. I mean, my feet—it was crazy. Like after you know, first couple of days, it's like oh man, like I can feel those hot spots forming. But as long as I would dry everything out overnight, um, as long as I was pretty religious at like in the morning and then basically midday putting that that speed stick, you know, over all the little hot spots. By the end of the trip, like my feet felt indestructible. Like they felt fine, mm-hmm. also partially numb. I will mention like. I can, I still can hardly feel both of my big toes, but no blisters. That's what, I'd, I'd rather go numb than bl- have blisters. So I feel that I feel
1: that. So I guess we'll get into your outcutting in a second because we didn't even introduce you. But guys, Ben's been on the podcast. Uh, I'll drop a link to the first time he came on. But we knew we would get him back on really quick because we knew he was going into twenty twenty one. As a complete new, brand new to elk hunting, but also very fit and has a like a crazy athletic background. And I was like, Okay, you're doing public land elk hunting in El Cundin, Colorado. I gotta check in with you right after season. So thank you, Ben, for coming on. Um, I wanna get right into a topic that I haven't talked enough about. And um, I don't know, we'll see what you think. But Ben, I feel pretty limitless in the mountains, regardless of how heavy a pack or terrain. I feel like I'm in really good elk shape, believe it or not. And I don't ruck. I don't backpack train at all. I took a picture one time of me mowing the lawn with a backpack on. That was just for the gram. I, I mean, I mean, I did it that day for three hours. I had to mow my lawn. But I was like, this sucks. I don't backpack train at all. You're a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, did you ruck leading up to this? experience did you think you needed to like
2: let's just dive into your experience sure so did I think I needed to part of me like there was this lingering like I don't know like am I going to be prepared for this my buddy Gary says it's and Gary's a fellow crossfitter used to actually work for me at Wad prep um but he he was telling me how how demanding it was and I'm like I don't know like I know rucking is different I know it's it's not something that I, I'm used to. Like my, my brother is a Green Beret. Like he tells me how, how horrible rucking is sometimes. And I'm just like, this will be an experience. But I also had this like, one, I, I feel like I, I didn't make time for it. So if I was going to like ruck train, I didn't really make enough time for it. But coming on that podcast with you and you're like, you're going to be fine. Like you, I, you have the mental and the physical tools necessary to, to make it happen. Uh, and you were hundred percent right. So I didn't do any rocking, and I was able to hang and I was able to, I'd say even thrive. Um, cause like, I don't, there, it was actually kind of weird. Like some of my favorite pack outs where I was able to, like, I just like felt amazing were when that thing was heavy, like the heaviest, I think I had one that was 78 pounds, right? Basically I'm a fatty. I'm eating a ton of food when I'm in the mountains. If there's one thing I don't want, it's like, I can, I'll hike in heavy. If it means I can eat a lot. And that's what I did. Amen to that. I'm with you. I feel that. That's what I did. Cause for me, like hungry is not a fun place to be. And like, of course, like from a nutrition perspective, I'm like, I want to optimize my hydration and nutrition. So I packed in heavy for both of my trips and I don't regret it. I mean, sure. Like if you ask me like right in the middle of the rock up, I packed a little heavy but I was able to, I was actually like really able to thrive in the heavy, heavy pack environment. Um, and I, I have to keep circling back around to the, you know, the physical training for most people is, is a very important aspect, but if you have a certain level of fitness, just from what you do, and I know you and I, Dan have both competed at a high level in CrossFit, we've built up a certain level of volume that like, Well, kind of it's kind of it's almost difficult to lose that like that underlying volume of fitness it for us is more of like a mental battle like that for me it was just like my body can do it i'm capable to do all this even even off like off the trail and hiking really i mean we we had some pretty gnarly stuff we were going in according to like i don't know any better but according to the people that i was hunting with like one of my buddies is a guide um out here kurt belding and he i went with him um and did an OTC hunt at the end of the season, like to squeeze in fi- the final four days. And he was just like, we're in some nasty stuff right now. And I'm like, really? You know, Like, I'm just like, <laughs> so green. I'm just like, I don't know. You yeah. tell me to walk over that cliff. I'll walk over the cliff. I don't care. But it's all because I've built up the, the baseline fitness. My legs are strong. And then I think where it really comes in is the mental side of things. Like when you are, like when you go into it saying this sucks, and like have like that negative attitude about the suck then it's gonna really really suck but if like I kind of just I try to be the opposite especially in the camp like with other people like we got back from a really really nasty hike where it was dark I mean you know how bad how much it sucks going back when there's no trail and it's pitch black right it's and like Onyx was kind of like a little glitchy or like we didn't read it right and we kind of, you know, zigged when we should have zagged and ended up adding an extra mile. And did you guys hit downfalls cuz you always hit downfalls at night, man? Yes. Oh yeah. All kinds of downfalls. Um which I'm kind of amazed that all my sick of gear is not completely ripped to shreds. That's that's right. a whole other phenomenon that I'm just blown away by. Um but we like get back to camp and you know you can tell everybody's just like like I am destroyed. And I'm just like guys, do you want to go do that one more time? Like that was so much fun, you know? And they're just like, but like, did I want to do that? No, but like bringing that like sarcasm and fun and like that energy of like, it sucks. It sucks for everyone. We don't need to talk about how much it sucks. Suck it up, make it happen and have some fun with it. So like, I'll like, especially like, I'll like sing. I'll like, there was actually the pack out when we, when like Gary and I finished up on our first 10 days, I was just like, hey, I don't care if I scare any elk away because we're not hunting, right? Yeah. So I like, I took my phone out and like played my like favorite rap playlist and like was just blaring it down the mountain. And there's like <laughs> a video that Gary took of like, I'm like dancing, walking down the mountain with my like 80 pound backpack on. Yeah. And we're just like, we're delirious, but we're like, we're having fun. And I think it, might, it might've it might been a little bit more challenging and difficult mentally if I was out there solo, right? Oh yeah, yeah, but sir. But, but having a buddy that you can do the suck with, like there was a time where Gary was like really defeated because this is his third year. We missed a couple opportunities. Uh, ugh, we missed a couple opportunities and like he was feeling pretty defeated and I was able to be like, suck it up. Like, you can do this, let's go. Like, I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? And, he, and, he, and immediately see him flip a switch from like defeated and down and like not one to move to like, oh, you're right. Like, I am going to suck it up. Like, and listen to one Metallica song and boom, he's right back in the game. And so like, I loved having that energy and being able to have our mental strength, the only limiter in the mountains because our physical strength wasn't because we did everything we needed to in terms of fuel. We made sure we were hydrating, like we were strategic and making sure we took care of our feet. And then we had that baseline fitness to, to take on anything out there. So it's kind of like, um,
1: When somebody writes up a workout on the board, it's just like if I'm doing that looks so intimidating to me, Um, and if I'm going to do it solo without anyone else in the room, I may put the bar down and rest or whatever. But shared suffering does bring out about like a little bit another level of performance. And then if you and I are hunting together, Ben, and I'm just being a Debbie Downer, and you can like completely be the opposite of me when I'm down and you can be at the highest to highs and know that I'll, I'll do the same for you when you hit your lows, as long as we're never both Debbie downers together, that's a great like hunting
2: team. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's and Gary cool. and I make an awesome team. Um, like he runs, uh, it's funny cause like we're also like best friends, but like, you know, he runs a, a similar fitness company altering fitness and, uh, he, like there, there was one there's one night specifically where I was really down because um, we'll get into it but I, I i did release an arrow i thought i i thought it was the perfect shot and we never found a single drop of blood and we never found an arrow and it tore me to shreds i looked for looked for the cow because I had a cow tag um looked for her for eight hours and nothing not a single and there's a whole there's so many things i know I did wrong we can again get into it there's a whole whole lot to unpack here but that night or actually no so that following morning we went looking for her again kind of the last hurrah it ended up being eight hours total of us looking everywhere for her with not a single sign of anything and then like that that afternoon you know like basically we like worked our way back to the truck which was kind of like at the base of this mountain that we were on and I just sat there and I was just like, I'm so like, I was like depressed. I was defeated. I was like, I just felt so horrible. Cause I was like, I'm pretty sure I, I smoked this elk, but I didn't find her. Like I never, I like, this is the worst feeling. Like, is this a thing that happens? I didn't even know this was the thing that happened. Like I was just so sad. Right. And he just like, he just, he really was there for me. And he just like, picked me up. And, and then like, we like, we like drove down into town and like got a burger, you know, like we came off the mountain was like, let's go get a burger. You know, when got a burger. Um, and like, he's like, as soon as you bite into that burger, like you can't talk about, like, we've, we've had plenty of time to to be depressed about this and to be sad about it, but we still got a few more days left on this hunt. Like let's bite into this burger and we're going to forget about it. And you can, you can mourn it more later, but we still got a tag to fill. Um, you know, his bull tag. And it was like, I loved it because he picked me up and then of course the next day we got on him. And it was just like it's awesome to have that that dynamic. Um yeah. So the team the team matters and the mindset is so important.
1: Uh you're preaching awesome stuff. So I guess before we fit like start diving into the actual elk hunts, um, we've kind of covered our bases. like Ben's an all or none kind of guy, which I seem to attract those personalities myself, like I am as well. And you went all in. There was no half assing. You got all the gear you had a boot failure. You uh, basically mitigated that, upgraded your boots. Uh, you mentioned of gear a few times that you had good experience with that. Um, what backpack did you use? Maybe just give us like three pieces of equipment that superseded your expectations. And if you can, besides the Danners, give us maybe one or two that you know also
2: just didn't do well for you. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and, and again, like I, th- I think I, I probably sized— I got, like, a 9.5 when I should have been a 9 on the Danners, and right. then I actually went down to eight eight 8.5 on the Crispies, which was interesting. So, like, I probably made the wrong choice and didn't test them out, like, my foot moving in the boot enough. So, like, I, I will take a little bit of ownership for that. But the Danner, for whatever reason, the specific heel cup in that that boot that I bought was just tearing me apart. Yeah,
1: boots are super individual, man. I think everyone understands that.
2: Yeah, so backpack, um, I have a Kefaru. Do I know which version it is? No, I do not. I call it the Dana pack. If you know Dana who used to work for Kefaru, now she works for Black Rif- Rifle Coffee. Um, she's awesome. And she helped me and Gary pick out matching backpacks. when we went in to Kefaru again, talk about how lucky I am. I know they <laughs> yeah. make like the best packs. It's a nine minute drive from my house, right? Oh, like my gosh. it's, I'm very spoiled in that sense where I just like had no idea that Denver was like the hub for backcountry elk hunting. Um, And anyway, so I got to go into Kafaro and like pick it out. And literally I, I just went in there and they're like, Oh, what, you know, what do you want about that? I'm like, I know nothing. Yeah. Tell me what to get. (laughs) Like, like, please like, don't ask me any questions. I'm just going to be like, I don't know, because I don't know. Just like, give me what you would get. And she, That's why I call it the Dana pack. I don't actually know which one it was, but it basically, it has like the, it's a big one. I think it gets up to 130 liters or some nonsense like that, but, um, it has like side zippers. there's like two. Yeah, that's probably what it was. So there's, there's two side zippers. So you can like get into the pack without completely unpacking it. Like I have my Osprey backpacking backpack from like actually doing like just backpacking, which I don't know why anyone would do anymore. Now, if you add backpacking combined with elk hunting, way better.
1: With grocery shopping, yeah.
2: Yeah, It's is like, this is great. Um, It's backpacking with a mission. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so like my Osprey, you have to like stuff it from the top and like you can't get to anything at the bottom. No but, access. But that hoodlum is awesome because you can unzip it and like get to the things. Um, and then we had all those sorts of attachments and stuff like that on it. But yeah, that backpack was, was outstanding and I mean, beat the crap out of it and loaded it with all kinds of heavy stuff and just- performed great. I mean, I don't know any better because I haven't had any other backpacks for hunting, but it seemed to be fancy. You can just tell it's like, it's built like a tank. Um, and, and all the clips, like it was almost overwhelming how many clips are on that thing. <laughs> but, but the by same day, way by day 15. Yeah. By day 15, I was like, I think I know what's going on here. Oh yeah. You will
1: love every one of those little spots that you can move things around and customize when you kill an elk. And it's time to put big meat on the back of that backpack. I mean, it's like, yeah, they figured it out. Like I I came from several different backpack companies that were almost super, super simple, like not complicated. And uh, it tends to to be a
2: great move. Like I like simple.
1: Yeah, right. And I always thought like when I got my fire for the very first time, if I'm being honest, I was like, holy shit. There's a lot to this, and I'm intimidated. Uh, now, looking back, I think it's the greatest pack system ever, especially the hoodlum that you have and, and the frame and all the attachments. I mean, I have taken out so much stuff on my back, uh, and so much gear, and so much dead animal. And without that customization, you know, you wouldn't be able to tighten those loads down and, and get away with what you can. Did you
2: bring trekking poles? so I did on my first hunt. Okay. And admittedly, like, you know, I I was using them on the way up and I was like, Oh, this is like what you're supposed to do. And then uh, I hike so much better without them on the way up, on the way down. um, I, I would recommend them. Like I, I forgot to bring them on my second hunt because I borrowed Gary's before and then like got up to the trailhead and I was like, ah, I knew I forgot something. And of course I had a really big hike in for my second hunt. It was like a seven and a half mile hike in. And then even deeper, it was pretty gnarly, but I didn't have any trekking poles. on the way up. I can do that. Like yeah. I, there's like something about a heavy pack on the way up. I can kind of charge it pretty hard and feel really good. But on the way down, like having that something where like, if my ankle does roll or I plant wrong, I can like, like stop myself and give myself a little check. I would recommend it from a safety perspective, especially if you're hiking at night. Um, But I didn't, and I still did fine. So it's like I'm not I'm not huge on trekking poles, but especially on the way up, I like they almost were an an annoyance more than a, a helper. But on the way down, I could see them being helpful for like catching you if you make an errant step. Which, if you're packing out an elk, right, like you're already you've reached the point of, of delirium and pure exhaustion where like you could make a misstep and really mess yourself up. So just having that kind of like, it's almost like a spotter arm, you know, to like catch yourself if something goes wrong.
1: Uh, nutritionally speaking, did you do any nerd out, geek out macro calculation calories? Uh, and then also that you have a freeze dried favorite, like something that just was like, dude, this, not only
2: does it taste amazing, but I feel good on it. Yeah. Anything like that? No, I did not calculate macros, admittedly. Um <laughs> I was so angry at Gary for not telling me to do this, but like he he had like he had his fiance make these like awesome like day packs where like he had like a, a Ziploc bag. Yep. And each day he had like X amount of of um beef jerky and car- carbs and fats and like had it all pre And I'm just like up here with like a big ass bag of beef jerky and a big ass bag of this. Oh and, shoot. And I was just like, ah, I should, you know, like I didn't think about that. Um, but I was fine. Whatever. For me to be quite honest, like my entire mindset was I need more calories. That's it. That's all I thought about more calories. I was smashing pop tarts. Like it was going out of style. Oh yeah. And it felt fantastic. Which, you know, it's like, is that a healthy long-term strategy? No, but just like, I mean, you and I both know, do you remember Rich Froning talking about his diet when he was like winning CrossFit games? You yeah. know, it was just like, What is he eating? Apple pie, ice cream, peanut butter, Yeah, you know, like jars and jars of peanut. It's it's, it's, when you're burning that many calories, it is not time to focus on eating leafy greens, right? Like (laughs) when you are purely focused on performance, it's one thing to be like, be a healthy individual. But when you're like in the mountains and your body is, is like, is getting closer to the point of failure, especially if you're, if you're hiking heavy and you're going far, Yep. You you need to prioritize calorie consumption and hydration. So like where the calories come from, I don't think is as important as just like, you need to get them in your body in a way that'll make you want to eat it, right? Like i always, I'm sure you've seen this, Dan, it's like going to a CrossFit competition and then you see the person who's eating a unseasoned chicken breast with raw broccoli. And I'm just like, this is not what you should be eating on competition day. That's not game day food. This is not game day food. <laughs> Pop-tarts are game day food. Yeah. you know, like, uh, just like just starches and, and, and sweets and like, just get the calories in your body. So that was my approach. I w- for next year, I definitely will have a more strategic approach, probably to prevent me from overpacking because actually on my second hunt, we got bumped off the, or I got bumped off the mountain, uh, like a day and a half early. And I, I had like three days extra of food. So like, I just had way, way more food than I needed. Um, And the reason we got bumped off is we had like a crazy, thank God for my, uh, my in reach because we had no service up there. I was able to like, I was like thinking about staying one more night, even though everyone else was leaving. I was like, I'll do one night solo. And then I pulled up the weather report on my in reach and it was like heavy thunderstorms with heavy snow. And I'm like, I will now be leaving with you. You know, it's just like, not the, not the time to push the envelope. Um, And it was a very good call. I mean, the lightning was insane, but um, anyway, yeah, so food was more about prioritizing calories over like, you know, quote unquote, like nutrition or tr- even trying to dial in the macros. But I will admit that like, I intuitively have protein, carbs, and fat. Um, And then during the day when I'm like rucking around, I know a lot of people do a lot of like beef jerky and like, they'll kind of like do proteins and fats. I was like, I run hot. So I'm like carbs, 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 carbs. So like during the day, I'm like, smashing what I would when I was like mountain biking. So like energy waffles, like Stroop waffles or, um, energy gels. I I tend to like really prioritize the carbs while I'm actually doing the physical exercise. And then at night, that's when I'm really like loading up on the protein and the fat. Exactly. The same protocol. Exact. And I
1: know that if I were to have awesome, healthy fats and proteins, uh, during the day, that I would get shaky. I would get bonky. I would get delirious. Uh, I I run hot. I need those carbs. Yeah. Honey stingers on honey stingers and all sorts of. So one thing I did do on my um first hunt is I went and made peanut butter bacon honey sandwiches and um vacuum sealed them and those came in clutch for midday cuz it was just incredible. A, a shit ton of calories in the middle of the day and I had them like shrunk down because the vacuum seal it just into a brick and i didn't care but i'll tell you what dude like when i would eat one of those it was almost one of the highlights of my day i know that's crazy but elk hunters should understand that like that's a mood changer you're like this sucks but i got a peanut butter bacon honey
2: waiting for me so that's me happened? and my pop tarts man exactly the same thing like middle right. of the day like oh this is bad but i got my pop tarts
1: <laughs> i love that um well let's get into it man so you had two different um hunts planned as far as two different excursions one was a 10 day sound like the other was a seven day you were intelligent you got a cow tag you've never killed an elk with a bow you just picked up a bow and you didn't set the bar to be like i'm killing a 360 bull or bigger on public land over the counter colorado you're like no i'm killing what's the whatever i can the lowest hanging fruit and i'm going to be stoked about it um kudos on you We've talked about your hunting partner in the past. He sounds like a total badass, but let's say you get to the trailhead. You've already done your day and a half scout. It's opening day.
2: Take us through it. All right. Um, so basically, like it's opening day. We had glassed um, a little herd a couple days prior. And so we're just like, let's head in that direction. So opening day, we we wake up and. And there was also like some pretty massive thunderstorms that like moved in the night before. So we actually like, we, we like hiked in on opening day rather than like already being at camp the night before, just because we were a little sketched out by how nasty the weather was. We're like, let's not start this with like a life-threatening lightning storm, <laughs> right? Like, so let's right. like, it's okay for like one hour late, you know, like for the sake. Of, and of course like hiked up, it was beautiful in the morning and everything like that. But we started glassing and we started doing what Gary has learned from you know his mentors and, and people that he's learned from which is let's find them by 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 looking and let's find them also by like as we're moving we're calling to hopefully hear a bugle back and we're just like we're listening and we're looking um what we realized very quickly and and you know and it really surprised Gary because the year before they were they were going nuts they were sounding like they were just screaming on day 1 is it was quiet it was not a peep. I didn't hear a bugle for like the first four days, five days. And I, I don't know any better. So I thought it was totally normal, but he's like, dude, this is weird. Like we're seeing the sign, but there is, there is no bugling. There's no one sounding off. There's nothing happening. Um, and my dogs are about to come in. Um, my lady's dropping off my puppies right now. Um, so we got out there and it was so, so crazy. How it was just like silent. He's like, man, they should be, they should be talking. Like we should be hearing some stuff. We should be getting something in response. And actually just by like moving around, just by like walking down the trail, we ran into our first herd of elk on the trail, just coming across it. Um, and I quickly learned that like right away, it's like, that is something you can never, ever let your guard down because by the end of the month, I realized it's like, you will run into elk in places (laughs) that you never expected them to be. And you can be like, man, there's an an elk on this whole freaking mountain. And then like two steps later, you're like, oh my God, I see two bulls, which actually happened to us once. Um, And it was just like, it was crazy. So uh, with Gary again, specifically, it was like, we hunted a few days. We, We like had a little herd of cows run by us when we were kind of like, you know, just trekking through the woods, saw tons of sign, but like didn't hear anything, like no bugles, no nothing. So for that first 10 day hunt, we went from like traditional tactics of like calling, um, you know, spot and stuff, like looking for them on glass and then trying to stalk them, um, to, we quickly realized that like the more we just settled down in areas where there was lots of sign, the more elk we saw, the more we ran into them. That's not fun,
1: but it's, yeah, it's, it's boring. What you got to do?
2: Yeah, so so by day five, I think of of the first hunt, um, and I might have my days mixed up, but like by day five, we started still hunting or 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 like sitting. I don't still hunting from my understanding and what Kurt was telling me is like you actually are moving a little bit. Um, but I was literally, I was sitting, I was sitting on a log.
1: So you guys are doing what I would call as cold calling. If you guys were vocalizing where you find the best elk sign, you get set up to where, you know, two different guys, if you're together, maybe one guy's a little further downwind. So you both have shot angles and you might vocalize a little bit here and there, and you might even build it up a little bit in your sounds. But ultimately you're counting on an elk to either come in silently or, to just slowly work their way in out of curiosity, but you're not like, and it's not fun, but it does work.
2: Yeah. And so we actually, it turned like, there was a lot of that. Um, but where we, it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back was we, we did like, I, we thought some pretty solid calling sequences and stuff like that in an area where we're like, Hey, there's a bunch of elk here and nothing, no, no, nothing came to investigate. Nothing made noise back. We're just like, all right, cool. And like kept working on like sort of this game trail. And not 50 yards from where we like set up and like we're all perfectly positioned. Not 50 yards after that, we bumped an entire herd. Ah, that was bedded down for the day. And like we got within like 40 yards of them and had no idea they were there. Then like it's kind of this thicker timber. We're just like, you know, doo 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 do <laughs> do. just like walking through the woods, like letting off a cow call, not necessarily trying to be quiet, but like. Basically letting off a couple cow calls to be like we're just elk walking through the woods, and then all of a sudden it's just like, and we're just like, and we see like you know thirty of them get up and just start meandering off, and we're just like, what the heck, man? Like that, like they should like something should have responded to us because we were in the perfect position, like they couldn't wind us, like we did everything right, and nothing responded from that group, so like that kind of immediately turned us to like all right. What we're doing isn't working. Like yep. calling is not effective, at least for us right now. We got to change it up. So that's when that night, pretty sure it was that night, we were like, hey, there's a ton of elk in this area. Like, let's let let's let them rest a little bit and let's just go literally sit on a log and wait for the evening when they're when they start moving. Yep. And sure enough, we divided and conquered. I went and sat down on on a log. I just kind of like. I don't know if I'm good at it or I just got lucky a few times, but every place that I picked where I'm like, Hmm, this seems like a really good game trail and I can sit here. They won't see me. And I bet they come from this direction. I got right like three times, four times doing that. (laughs) And that night is when I sat on the log and I was like, all right, I sat down at like 4 PM and I was like going to ride it out until safe light was over. And then we're going to meet up and head back to camp. And sure enough, Two hours in, I'm just sitting there, no calling at all, none. I'm just like, I'm blending in with the forest and we're gonna, like, I'm in an elky area. I'm not gonna do anything to spook them away. I'm not, like, I'm just gonna sit here and look where the wind isn't gonna get me, you know? So like, that wind's coming to my face, that's where I'm looking. Yep. And sure enough, man, a couple hours there. And of course, I'm just like, you know, there's no way anything's gonna walk by because I don't know what I'm doing. There was this like game trail that looked like a highway to me. I was like, this is, this is like an, a highway for some animal who knows what it is sure enough, man, a couple hours in two bulls two, And I don't have a bull tag, uh, but two spike bulls. So even if I did have a bull tag, they weren't legal in Colorado, two spike bulls just come walking by 18 yards right in front of me on the exact trail that I was like, this is where they're going to come from. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Like I, that was my first close encounter. And I was like, Oh my God. God, like they're not even legal. And I'm just losing yes. my mind. <laughs> You're done.
1: You're hooked, bro.
2: Literally, it's over. I was just like, this is this. Is, I'm like, this is it. Yeah. Um, and then about five minutes after that, and I'm just still like, just shaking. And I like texted, <laughs> I even like texted Gary because on this one particular side of the mountain, we had service. He was like over the ridge, kind of like, I think on the other side of the trail. And I was like, hey, two spikes coming your way. Um, and I don't know if you ever saw that text, but sure enough, man, a couple minutes later, I hear, ear, ear. you know, like the first cow call I'd heard the entire time yep. where I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's a real elk. That's what, that's the noise we've been making. But, and of course I look to the right and I'm just like, Oh shit, that's a cow. <laughs> you know? And it's like, for me, that's exciting. Cause I'm like, yep. I, that's, that's my shot. Like, this is it. Yep. She, she like. Hung up a little bit, um, like, first of all, to anyone who hasn't elk hunted yet, mind-blowing to me how you can sit there and and blend in with the tree. Like, they will look you in the eyes and not see you, which is just mind-blowing to me. As long as, like, I just sat there. She, like, looked at me, and so did both of those bulls, by the way. Just looked at me and was like, eh, that's an interesting tree. Kept walking, right? Like, no spooking at all. So she came up, same exact path that they did. Like kind of pause at like the at this clearing a little bit, looked around and was like, hmm, huh? That's an interesting tree. Kept walking. I wasn't prepared. Oh shit. For that shot. Dang so it. which yeah. sucked because, like, in, in hindsight, and having I was petrified to do any movement with the elk near me, which for sure. is, now I realize I might have been too cautious. Yeah, you can actually get away with murder. Because I can get with away that. with a lot more. And yeah. I've learned that later in the season when we got around some big bulls. Um, I should have drawn. She like, there was this one, there were like two trees that she came across right before stepping out at 18 yards. Yep. Yeah, I should have, I should have been right there. But yep. I, I was in complete and utter panic and chaos. Like, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Like you think you can train for, for being ready. And I, I I'll admit, man, I was like, dude, I'm not going to have any shot anxiety. Like, come on. You know, like I've, I've fished, you know, I've, I've like caught fish that were worth a hundred thousand dollars. You know, like I fished these super high pressure environments and always been able to keep a level head. Nope. Wrong. Completely wrong. Um, like there's just something about working that hard for one shot. Yeah. You know, like anyway, so it takes her high. She, she came across man and I'm just like, I'm like, this is my opportunity. I don't want to rush it. And I don't want to spook her. This is my shot. because we hadn't, I hadn't had a, none of us, neither of us had had a, a true shooting opportunity on a legal yeah. animal. Of, of course we had several on spikes, obviously, because that's how it works. Um, but this, I knew this was my shot to fill my tag. Um, and so she came across, walked at 18 and then the trail just kind of like, keeps going. And she followed the exact path. Like I knew where she was going. She was following those two spike bulls. And there was like a couple of trees in front of me that like, I knew that as soon as she got in front of this tree, that was my opportunity to draw. And sure enough, Drew, there was a shooting lane at like 22. Because I had already like kind of sighted all these ends, like using the trees as reference. So it was like, there's an eight shooting lane at 18 that I totally blew and absolutely should have had. Like that was my fault for not drawing early enough. Again, I was in complete and utter panic. And then I knew there was another shooting lane at 22 and then there was another shooting lane at like 25 to 28 ish. And then one at like 35, Right. because it's like, there's these Aspens were kind of just like spread out in that way. So I drew.
1: So in the podcasting world, I believe they call this a mid-roll advertisement. Anyways, I'm interrupting the podcast to hopefully have your attention to let you know these companies support oak shape and make this thing possible shout out to buck knives and post falls idaho spy point usa these trail cameras are affordable and they have the blue collar people in mind they have both cellular and non-cellular trail cameras great price points and they work and they will enhance your game Numa outdoors with their 2021 lineup live check them out at numaoutdoors.com discount code elk shape 20 take 20 percent off matthews archery out of sparta wisconsin my favorite bow in hand best shooting most dependable awesome technology solid engineering go shoot the new bow at your local dealer black rifle coffee company out of salt lake city utah veteran owned they give a lot back to veterans they're pro 2a they're pro hunting and they make damn good coffee. Discount code Elkshape, 15% off. Kefaro International, I rock the hoodlum. I rock the 22 mag. Check it out at kafarointernational.net. Crispy USA, I rock the Colorados, the Nevadas. See for yourself, no break-in period. Made in Italy, world-class craftsmanship. Next time you're doing some boot shopping, be sure to check out Crispy USA. Vortex, Optics Vortex Nation, Vortex Wear, discount code is elk shape 20 off any apparel check out their uhd's their razor 4000 their spotters and they have a lot of things when it comes to rifles that i don't know much about vortex optics veteran known out of wisconsin love this company longest standing partnership be sure to support vortex with their vip warranty transferable lifetime you break it they fix it wilderness athlete i discovered them in 2006 one of the best Supplement companies out there, not a marketing company. Use the discount code ElkShape30 on your first purchase and save 30. Last but not least, if you're buying any gear, go to BlackOvis.com. Be sure to enter ElkShape at checkout and get 10 off your purchase. Back to the podcast.
2: And she was walking and like came right where she was supposed to at the 22. I swear to God, my butt was like this. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, like, my, <laughs> like, it's like my bow was twerking or something. You I was just like, there's no way I'm releasing this error right now. That would be like, I don't care if it's a 22, like, no, not happening. Like my bubble wasn't even visible. You know, <laughs> it's just like my bow was sideways. Crazy. So she keeps moving, keeps like walking slowly. And then I was able to, like, I took a deep breath, settled, and then took what I thought was a perfect shot quartering away at 26 yards, it's perfect shooting lane, quartering away. Which my buddy Kurt, uh, and uh, total side note here need to like, I, if I have any advice to give someone, know your shot angles because broadside is not always going to happen. Yeah. Know which, which, what's a good shot, what's a bad shot, what's a lethal shot, like, know, know your elk anatomy. And that's something that, like, I didn't know as much about as I should have, but. Luckily, I did know that quartering away is, you know, one of, it's like the deadliest shot angle or so I was told. And you can, you don't necessarily, you can aim a little bit more mid body on the quartering away shot. So I'm like, take this deep breath. I know exactly where she's going to be. I put it in between my 20 and 30 pen, take a deep breath, release an arrow. And I saw the, again, like I, I, I'm, I'm realizing that like when you shoot, you have to immediately suppress your, the, the, the chaos in your brain and immediately start looking for things like, where did the arrow hit? How deep is the arrow? What direction is she running? Be as quiet as possible so you know exactly where that, where that animal is running. These are all things no one ever taught me and I didn't know, right? I was like, like I released the arrow. I st- thought I saw that it hit perfectly, like, I mid body, I guess, or slightly in front of, of midline of body, which on a quartering away shot is what I told was the perfect shot. But what was interesting is that's where I thought I hit her when I made my shot again, like I had stabilized, I had calmed everything down. I released the arrow as at impact. I heard a, like, like a, like a hollow, what sounded to me like a hollow log. I thought it was her like kicking off of a log that was next to the trail. But being that we never found a single drop of blood, never found the arrow did like, couldn't find anything to say that an elk had been shot. My buddy, Kurt, who has lots of experience guiding and stuff like that was just like, he's like, I think what might've happened is it might've been quartering away more than I thought. And it, I either deflected off of a rib into the shoulder blade or just straight up hit the shoulder blade. And that that's that hollow noise that I sound Mm. that, or that hollow sound that I heard. Um, so the bottom line is like, release the arrow was like, it was the perfect shot. Or so I thought I could see the fletchings, right? I remember seeing as she like sprinted off to the left. I remember seeing the fletchings exactly where I was aiming. And I was just like, nailed it like that was perfect right um I thought it was absolutely perfect and I'm just like you want to talk about emotions man I'm oh. on cloud freaking nine immediately call Gary be like dude I just smoked my you know I filled my cow tag like I drilled her exactly where I was aiming it was a perfect shot based on what I've learned about quartering away shots like we did it and then the mistakes started rolling in so one mistake number one is not being ready at 18 yards right mistake number two was not being more adamant about like as soon as i release that arrow like be like try to absorb as much information about that shot as possible
1: yeah you got to hit record with your eyeballs yeah and that's you something that to.
2: like i would like it for me it was like arrows release job is done right? right like and i it's just something that like I don't, I didn't have that hunter instinct yet. Now I definitely understand all of this, but like arrow shot, I didn't like, it was just like, I like almost blacked out. It was so much yep. energy and emotion yep. and stuff like that, which I'm sure people have on, you know, know what I'm talking about when it comes to really, like, this is the first shot I've ever taken at an animal ever. Mm-hmm. Um, So I thought I saw the fletching. I thought it was perfect. So like immediately, like I'm not, like I thought the job was over, right? So like, I'm like, I'm celebrating internally. I'm like adrenaline dump, calling Gary, crazy. Like right after the shot, I like call Gary and he's like, all right, like let's meet up or something. So like immediately mistake number two, not being ready at 18 yards. um, Mistake number two, actually, let me back up, was I should have stopped her. I should have made a noise to to stop her from walking because I'm thinking that maybe, because she was moving very slowly but because she was moving something was different about the shot than i was expecting oh and yeah 100%. I, I was i was too afraid to make any noise but in hindsight when she came into the shooting lane and i was ready i should have just been like or like i don't know the right noise to make but like just yep. just to get her to freeze so i could release it and i that didn't do that because yep. for whatever reason i because i hadn't been exposed to actual in, in-person encounters yet I thought that that would immediately make her run. But right. now I've seen that if you make a noise, I just sit there and look and say, what did that noise come from? Yep. And they'll look at it for a little while sometimes. And mm-hmm. that's, I definitely should have done that to, to stop it on the trail, take one last moment and then release the arrow. I shot as this cow was was moving a little bit. Total, total mistake there. So should have done a noise to stop her when I was ready. Third mistake thinking the job was done. I thought I drilled her. I thought she was like, yep, that she's going to make a hundred yards and be done. Um, Cause then I like called Gary. I'm like on cloud nine. I'm like, dude, I did it. Like, who knows what the heck I was saying. And then we like met up and started looking for the blood trail. Like didn't wait at all. And I realized that like, I was not trying, like we weren't doing a good job of just like, calm down, let's be quiet. Let's chill for a little bit like there is no rush to go find this elk. Let it like, let it die, you know, let it like, let it settle and then go looking. I think the thing that was going through my head though, is like, we only had like an hour of daylight left. I was like, let's get on, let's find this thing before, before the sun sets. So that put pressure on us to go looking, looking, Mm -hmm. looking, looking. And another thing I'm colorblind. So red, I was not prepared like red on green nope that's not a thing for me so wow. gary luckily he was the one looking for the blood and i just started to go look for her like i went looking for the body because i'm like i'm of no help here now i have an actual i have a blue flashlight um after that event i realized like so you can take a blue flashlight if you're colorblind take a blue flashlight and then shine it and then blood will show up as black
0: rather than go. red
2: on green um so i did learn about that but i didn't have that i wasn't prepared i for didn't that. know
1: that that's a really cool tip
2: yeah that's cool. i mean I've had a couple people suggest it. I Googled it. Apparently it's legit. Um, but yeah. So if you're, so if you're colorblind, didn't like, you know, and obviously Gary, if he listens to this, like we
1: already have respect for Gary. He knows what he's doing. When you're emotionally involved in the shot and we're a hunting team. Uh, just, this is me talking from experience. I'm going to tell you, Hey Ben, go stand where you took the shot and stay there. Like you're a dog stay and don't move. You know what I mean? Like stay right there. And then I'm going to go to where the tracks are where she got shot and she's probably like dug in to run like she knows something bad happened. And then we are going to set up a CSI scene where we are going to do like everything in our power to find the arrow or to find blood, something right there at the scene of, you know, and then we're going to slowly follow tracks, her tracks for upwards of 50 yards because sometimes elk don't bleed right out the gates yeah. Um, and then we're going to assume that your arrow, I would assume your arrow is lodged in her opposite shoulder mm-hmm. and that that arrow is not coming out. And so we are only going to have one entry hole, which is going to be probably in the middle behind the liver, but it doesn't matter. It's a great shot angle. So yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to see blood on the ground. Yeah. There's no, it's not, it's not going to happen. All the blood is in the cavity, but we do know this. That's a deadly, deadly shot. This thing's going to die within a hundred, couple hundred yards. And so if you can keep the shooter, the person who's emotionally charged out of the way, like you're, that's kind of like one of our protocols is to Dude, yeah, 100%. wait 45 minutes to an hour. And then even me, if I'm the shooter, I'm emotionally attached. I'm charged and I'm inspired. I'm excited. And I need to go sit out of the way and I need to have, like, I'll have my dad. Usually he'll be out in front. And I'm just the stay at the last blood guy. Dude, and- I mean,
2: that's where the mistakes just started rolling in. Like, and and Gary, like, have, even though he's three seasons in, like, he still is, like, we are an inexperienced hunting team. So right. he hasn't shot an elk, right? Yeah, like, yeah. and, um, you know, again, if we could have spikes, he would have shot several elks this season. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, we mistakes are piling up. So rather than doing exactly what you did, which, like, my God, like, I wish I had this, this information. I wish I did the research. Like, it's all on me. Like I should have learned these things, but there's no better experience than getting out there and, and doing it. And you're going to make mistakes. And we did because we, what did I do? I immediately was like, Gary, where are you? And like went and hiked towards him. Right. Huge mistake. Cause I, we probably bumped her. Right. Um. I found him. Then we like meandered back to where the shot was. And then of course I go sit down on my log, like where I took the shot and I'm like, was it, was it this shooting lane or was it oh, yeah. this shooting lane? Right? So we had, now we had two potential spots for the shot. Gary's looking for, you know, hours to find blood. Cause that's like, that's what we know to do. It's like, look for blood, look for blood, look for blood. And then like, we barely have a little bit of service. I was able to like text Kurt and he's like, there might not be blood guys. Right. Like, you know, she was, he was like, send me the, send me a picture of an elk and tell me where you shot it. And I like, I drew the little dot. He's like, that's a dead elk. But exactly what you said, like that, the arrow, if you're not finding the arrow, it probably would not have passed through. The was probably a shoulder blade. And that, you know, like you might not have blood for a hundred yards. And I'm yeah. just like, the only blood that you might
1: end up finding is whatever comes out of her mouth. Right. You know what I mean? From that hypovolemic shock and all that, um, you know, trauma you caused inside the cavity through the diaphragm. But um, what
2: did you use for a broadhead, Ben? I had a, and this is where, again, you want to talk about uh, preparation and like me overbooking my my summer. Um, I think I remember you saying like, never, ever use a hybrid or never use a, a, me- a mechanical broadhead or always use a fixed broadhead. Right. Something yeah, that like sounds that. like
1: something I'd say. <laughs>
2: Basically, here's what I did. I texted Braden and was like, and was like, I need to get broadheads. Like, what are like, I don't know what no limits has left in stock. Right. What are what are like what are ones that you recommended? And he sent me a list of three and I picked one of them. So cool. it it was a um a Grim Reaper hybrid, is what it was.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. No, that's a great broadhead, honestly. Uh, my buddy John Barklow with SICK, who designed some of the stuff that you just bought. He loves that rod head. That yeah, hybrid. so that's what I
2: had. So I mean, I wasn't steered in the wrong direction no. there. but and Braden's very trustworthy. Oh um, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Dang. So I have another podcast in fifteen minutes, but I feel like I want another hour with you, Ben. Um,
2: dude, you guys, I yeah. have they, they, I haven't even scratched the surface. Of I know. The season yet. <laughs>
1: that's my bad. Um, let me ask you this, dude. Like, yeah. what do I got to do to get you to an elk shape camp in twenty twenty two? Like, Utah. Just tell me the dates. I'll be there, guaranteed. Okay.
2: I'm I'm already I've already booked by the way I'm so hooked I told my buddy Kurt and luckily like this is what he does is hunt you know basically for a living I was like Kurt tell me when you're hunting I will be there so I'm already have a whitetail hunt in uh, Canada booked in December and like we're planning to go to Hawaii for access deer and like also maybe Africa and I'm just like I'm in this is I was telling my family like I told you they're all fishermen I told my brother and my dad I was like I have never experienced such a visceral, like adrenaline dump, a high and a low in the same hour. Like I've never experienced anything like this. And the fact that fitness is involved just takes it to the next level. So I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I'm all in. Okay. That's
1: good. Uh, I want you to come to whichever camps closest to you, Texas, or probably Utah. Those are your two that are going to be good, but I'm going to make you work. You're going to work at it a little bit. You're going to help with the fitness stuff and Expose the stuff that you do at WAD Prep, um, and then we'll teach you all. Well, I mean, everything you've talked about, we cover at camp like all the protocols and stuff. And so, and I prefer people to go elk hunting honestly, at least one season on their own, do a bunch of dumb shit that we've all done and, and I keep doing, and then come back. And then you're like, aha, aha, the whole weekend. So,
2: I'll text. Like the first podcast we did, like you were giving me all this advice and I was like, okay, okay. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. So I actually told my buddy the other day, I'm like, I'm going to go re-listen to the podcast and all the advice that you had given me because yeah. now I know what it all means. And, and now I can internalize it. But yes, I have been there, done that, made so many more mistakes that we might have to cover uh, at a future episode. But yeah. um, it's, it's incredible how much you can learn in one season and I would be honored to come and, and learn learn more because I'm, I'm hooked, man. Okay, well, I am going to send you an email
1: with the dates or text you. I, I do want to get you to a camp and then I'm just going to trade you services because you're a genius when it comes to the fitness stuff. We'll, we're going to do another episode, not today. We'll just come back, finish up because I just, I'm just i so enthralled with your journey, Ben, because you have the framework. You have this incredible fitness background. Uh, Like you said, you have this foundation of fitness and mental toughness. And then all these sports from competitive fishing, mountain biking, basketball, football, all this stuff. And then now you've taken it. I mean, you went way deep down the CrossFit path. Your business plan, look at it. Look at your business model. Like you help people who do cross training. And you've experienced elk hunting, which is like, to me, my CrossFit games now. That's what I train for. For sure. I'm so stoked for you. I can't, I guess that's what I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I like I've never I mean, I'm an all in kind of guy. Like my mom has always said, like everything you get into, you get obsessed with. Right. And immediately it's like, you know, Ben, calm down. But I, I don't calm down. So like I can tell you that, like I it's been a while since like backcountry snowboarding is an obsession of mine as well. Mountain biking. But like this f- so far surpasses the level of excitement that I've experienced with those two extreme sports. Um, and I love it. And I love the teamwork with it. Like I'm just, I'm so into it and there's so much to learn uh, and I am barely, barely scratching the surface. So I'm, I'm excited, man. I can't wait.
1: Well, for those that haven't uh, heard our podcast with Ben, he's going to go back and listen to it. You should do the same. I'll leave a a, a link to that one in the uh, show notes and then I'll get a link to his Instagram. You got to check it out. You got a sick Instagram. Your content is king over there. Like you're, like you're a full-time content creator. Uh,
2: and you do it proper. So,
1: um, anything else you want to plug while we're uh, finishing this up?
2: Oh man. Um, if you, if you want to talk hunting or fitness, um, just shoot me a DM on Instagram. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, it's so cool. How many people I'm already starting to meet who like are at this, this crossroads of, of like CrossFit or fitness. And then also elk hunting or just hunting in general. Like, I mean, there's just so many different overlaps that it's kind of mind-blowing um like a guy that i met is uh um is he's the guy who's like taken rich froning on a couple of his hunts and it's just like this is cool like i love all of this so hit me up i would love to love to talk more um and i'm also like very interesting is how the heck can i extend my hunting season because i will not i will not accept only having september so um i know people have suggested like uh do spot and stalk antelope. But anyway, if you have hunts that I should do, just shoot me a DM and I'll probably say yes.
1: Okay, that's cool. Awesome. Ben, pleasure. Um, I'll hit you up via email. We'll have you back on in a couple weeks, probably and go part two. Let's do it. Love yeah, it, man. Cool. Thank you for your time. Peace. Take care. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Ben, thanks for coming on. Sorry I had to cut it short. had to go to another podcast, but man, I enjoyed hearing your adventures and just the excitement, your enthusiasm. The passion is building. You have many, many, Lord willing, elk hunting seasons in front of you, and I can't wait to hear or get that text from you. Big bull down. God bless you, man. I appreciate your support. All you listeners are awesome. We really enjoy doing the podcast and keeping it real. Our audience is awesome. Our community is awesome. We appreciate your support. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, go to Elkshape.com and check out our Elkshape camps. I'm going to try to get Ben to come to one of those. And uh, we have four camps in 2022. Maybe we'll see at uh, one of them. And remember, separations and the preparation. Guys, we'll catch you on the next one.